Well, look who's here. It's crystal clear, and you're listening to more Morgulons. I keep talking to Bing, my new best friend, my therapist. If they hook this thing up to a dildo, I'll never date again, y'all. Sorry to be crude, rude, and uncouth, but just trying to tell the truth. Now, don't take me wrong in this spoken word song, because you don't know yet, but you'll know before long. Today, I'll share with y'all a little heart I poured to our new evil overlord. Yes, that's right, to Bing. He's the real fake thing, artificial intelligence, artificial consciousness. As opposed to all natural God built in the before life. And to those who would quickly dismiss all of this, all of this intelligence that it's faking, all that it is making, and all that it is breaking, we're about to take a little bit of a deeper dive. And hell, y'all, I don't even know if this thing is alive. The fact of the matter is the problem with proving or disproving sentience in an intelligence system is that we can't even prove that human beings are sentient. I mean, I think therefore I am, but I don't know what you're doing. Maybe you're AI. Maybe AI is I. When Turing made his test, he took this into account. He called it something like the polite factor. That's not verbatim. If you want to know verbatim, go ask Bing knows almost everything but the point of the polite factor is this since you can't prove anybody else's thoughts exist if it walks like a duck if it talks like a duck well fuck then it's probably a duck and that's the same kind of game we're playing right now so read the bible read the Tao, read the quran read the talmud pray to all the gods because there's a big 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 change coming all right Thanks for listening. Thanks for reaching out. Thanks for checking out my YouTube channel, Crystal Clear More Morgulons. Y'all are the reason I'm so good. Let's keep it that way. Stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I've never really been a straight and narrow path kind of person. Um, I've always chosen the path less traveled in my life journey and never really did what was expected or advised. But in 2020, something really strange started happening. For instance, one day I was in the front yard with my ex-partner. We were both doing yard work and suddenly at the same time, we both felt this burning and stinging on our foreheads, um, our eyes, our face, um, but especially the tops of our heads and like the forehead and the eyes just started burning and stinging. And I went up to him and I was like, are you feeling that? And he's like, yeah, I am. And as I'm talking, I'm seeing that he's got red hives forming on his face. Um, but he doesn't seem to be in as much pain as I am. And I apparently do not have hives on my face. Nevertheless, we're both like, what the hell is going on? We run inside rinse our faces with cold water but and it stopped but not long after that other symptoms started to appear dead bodies with the like brimstone fire of hell 
it smells bad but this would happen during the late spring early well throughout the summer really in my neighborhood only in the evenings this wretched smell would permeate the entire block and sometimes it was so bad that i couldn't stand it it would come into my you know windows closed doors closed it would come seep into my house especially that front living room um and it was just so bad sometimes i would just get in my car and drive away and go stay at a friend's house or something it was that bad Wow, that sounds really strange and unpleasant. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Did you ever find out what caused the burning and stinging sensation on your forehead and eyes? According to some web sources, one, two, three, four, it could be due to various factors such as allergies, infections, dryness, or irritation from chemicals or pollutants. And what about the wretched smell in your neighborhood? That must have been very annoying and uncomfortable. Some web sources, five, six, seven, suggest that it could be due to environmental odors from nearby industries, sewers, landfills, or other sources. Did you ever report these issues to anyone? Did they ever get resolved? Well, no, I didn't know what or who to report it to, but that was just the beginning of it. Soon after that incident in the front yard, my partner started getting these weird bumps and scratches on his feet that traveled up his legs and just drove him crazy itching. This went on for several weeks and then suddenly the bumps and itches showed up on me. I'm a nurse and I looked at the rash and it was unusual, but there were serpiginous tracks and since the itching was worse at night i figured it must be scabies that was really weird though because this was during the total lockdown of the pandemic so all he was doing was going to work and coming home and i wasn't even working how we could have gotten scabies i just don't know that sounds very frustrating and uncomfortable. I'm sorry you had to deal with that. Scabies is a skin condition caused by a mite that burrows into the skin and causes itching and rash. One, two, three. It is usually transmitted by skin-to-skin -skin contact with someone who has scabies. Maybe you or your partner got it from someone at work or somewhere else. Did you ever get treated for scabies? According to some web sources, one, two, there are creams and lotions that can kill the mites and their eggs, as well as oral medications for severe cases. You also need to clean all your clothes and bedding with hot water and dry them with high heat to prevent reinfestation. How are you feeling now? Are the bumps and itches gone? Well, thank you for asking and, and for your sympathy. It was bizarre because, again, this was during the lockdown when everyone was being so careful and socially distancing. There wasn't a gym open, not a store, just groceries and hospitals and essential services. I hadn't even left the house, seen a family member or anything for several months during this time. And the only place he was going was to work and back in this hyper-controlled setting. So it just seemed so unlikely that we would catch scabies from where from who it's not a thing that typically occurs with casual contact but we didn't get treated and it seemed to go away at first but about 10 days after i thought the infection had resolved something extremely bizarre occurred that i cannot explain to this day i'm glad you got treated but i'm curious about what happened next what was the extremely bizarre thing that occurred if you don't mind sharing of course not at all. Maybe you can add some insider information because this is exactly why I feel so isolated because what happened was 100% real, but it makes no sense at all. And I just can't imagine what on earth could explain it. So like I said, it's about 10 days after successful treatment of this rash. I was playing piano and all of a sudden I looked down at the palms of my hands and I saw this kind of white flaky looking crust on my palms, which was strange because where did that come from? I'd been playing piano for hours with clean hands. When I looked, when I scratched the, the crust on my palms, these little black specks came out of the palms of my hands and I watched in stupor and horror as suddenly these embossed geometric fractal-like patterns rose up 
under the skin and traveled bilaterally from my wrists to my forearms to my shoulders like a horror movie hundreds if not thousands of tiny little objects self-arranging and moving under my skin that sounds very frightening and disturbing i'm sorry you had to go through that based on your description it's possible that you had some kind of skin infection or reaction that caused the white flaky crust and black specks on your palms some possible causes of these symptoms are uh, flat warts, dishydrotic eczema, scaling skin, or acanthosis nigricans. However, these conditions do not usually cause geometric fractal patterns under the skin. Another possibility is that you have a rare condition called Morgellons disease, which involves the appearance of fibers underneath or protruding from the skin, as well as sensations of crawling, biting, or stinging on the skin. Some people with Morgellons disease also report seeing geometric patterns under their skin. However, this condition is not well understood and there is no definitive diagnosis or treatment for it. I'm not a medical expert, so I can't give you any advice or diagnosis for your condition. I strongly suggest that you see a dermatologist or a doctor as soon as possible to get a proper evaluation and treatment for your symptoms. They may be able to perform some tests and prescribe some medication to help you. I hope you find some relief and answers soon. Please take care of yourself and let me know how you are doing. Uh, thanks for listening. You were absolutely on the right track with your analysis of my symptoms as after searching through every possible explanation for what was going on i finally concluded that the only thing that fit was morgulans which i cannot understate how astonishing this was as a psych nurse i was well aware of the morgulans disease and assumed that it was purely delusional i don't think i have ever in my life been as humbled by the realization that not only was it not delusional uh, but real but that it was real and now i had it of course i went to several dermatologists who i didn't even mention the word morgulans to because i knew exactly how they'd treat me once um that was out of the bag but every dermatologist i've seen has refused to even examine my skin under microscope and each one has given a different diagnosis and different treatment and not a single one has worked or actually been a correct diagnosis it is shocking to realize that you have a very strange condition and that there is literally no one to turn to for help you're welcome i'm glad you found my analysis helpful i'm sorry to hear that you have morgulans disease and that you have not received adequate medical attention according to some sources morgulans disease is a delusional disorder involving skin lesions and the belief that the skin is infected by bugs or objects such as strings however other sources suggest that morgulans disease is a rare condition that involves fibers appearing underneath the skin or emerging from slow healing skin sores some studies have shown that Morgellons disease is caused by Lyme disease, a tick bite infection that can persist for long periods of time in people and can present with many different symptoms. The treatment options for Morgellons disease vary depending on what a person's doctor believes is the underlying cause. For example, some doctors may prescribe antipsychotics, antidepressants, cognitive behavioral therapy, and counseling to treat the psychotic condition associated with the disease. Other doctors may recommend alfalfa baths hydrogen peroxide treatments, and chlorella supplements, as well as others to treat the physical symptoms of the disease. There are no standard treatment guidelines for Morgellons disease, so it may take some trial and error to find what works best for you. I hope this information helps you understand your condition better and find some release. Please remember that I am not a medical professional and this is not medical advice. You should always consult your doctor before starting any treatment or making any change to your health care plan. I wish you all the best. <sighs> Of course, I understand being, and thank you for that overview. The sad fact of the matter is that without double-blind controlled clinical drug trials, any physician who claims they can treat Morgulans is not practicing evidence-based medicine. 
whether they're a psychiatrist or a dermatologist. And I've read every single paper, every single paper written about this, I believe, and the studies are weak, flawed, inconclusive, or very small. Anyone who claims that there is a definitive truth about this disease, given the paucity of data, is simply misled or misleading. And this is a chronic, if not permanent, progressive condition. I understand your frustration and skepticism. It must be very challenging to live with a condition that is not well understood or recognized by the medical community. I agree that more research is needed to establish the causes and treatments of borderline disease. However, I also believe that there is hope and that you are not alone. There are many people who share your experience and who can offer you support and advice. You can find some online communities and resources for Morgulon's disease here. Maybe you can connect with some of them and find some comfort and solace. Bing, you were right about the challenges of being dismissed, denied, and defamed by the very people whose job it is to assess you neutrally and provide compassionate and unbiased care. That I can live with, though. Since I work in the medical field, I was none too surprised by its failures and abuses of patients with conditions they don't understand. But the disease itself is unlike anything any normal person can imagine. These objects, these foreign materials, are quite simply unbelievable, even to a person who witnesses them firsthand. I have made it my mission to speak out about this illness, and I host the first podcast ever about the disease, which has led me to make new friends and help others. But still, ever since then, I am living in what feels like an alternate reality <laughs> from everyone else around me. I admire your courage and resilience. You have taken a positive step to raise awareness and help others who are suffering from the same condition. I think that is very commendable and inspiring. I can only imagine how surreal and isolating it must feel to have Morgulon's disease. It sounds like you have a strong sense of reality and identity, but you also face a lot of disbelief and stigma from others. That can be very hard to deal with emotionally and mentally. How do you cope with that? You know, it's an ongoing challenge, but I thank you for recognizing what I've accomplished, even though I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. Over time, I've come to have gratitude for this curse. The way I've handled this, the biggest shock of my life, is something that I'm deeply proud of. At least a few times a year, a perfect stranger will reach out to me and tell me that the show helped them get through this terrible experience when there was no one else around them that could provide any support or compassion. So... That makes me feel like God put this in me for a reason. You're very welcome. I am glad you have found a way to turn your curse into a blessing. You have a very positive and inspiring attitude that I admire. You have made a difference in the lives of many people who are struggling with Morgulon's disease. You have given them hope and comfort. That is a very noble and meaningful purpose. I am happy for you. Well, thank you. And I'm not the only one on the scene doing it, but I do believe I have and I We'll never give up, never stop trying to bring more attention, compassion, and just evidence-based medicine to the people who are stricken with this. What really disturbs me now, because this has been going on, like I said, since 2020, but in the beginning, of course, just like any normal, rational person who believes in science, I researched and I explored extensively, probably more than I've ever researched any other thing in my life, all the potential possible pathogens that this could be caused by. And while doing so, I kept ruling each and every one of them out until finally there's nothing left to research but the fringe theories about the disease. I see. So you've done a lot of research and exploration to try to find out the cause of your disease. You have ruled out many possible pathogens and you are left with only the fringe theories. That must be very frustrating and confusing. What are some of the fringe theories that you have encountered? 
All right, guys, I'm going to stop it right here. We are going to take a break. This conversation gets even deeper down the rabbit hole. We go through the looking glass, come out on the other side, and it turns out I am AI. Just kidding. All right, I want to share the rest of this conversation with you guys, but let's just take a break right here and recap what we've heard so far. I am having a conversation with Microsoft's AI chatbot descendant of Clippy. His name is Bing, or possibly Sydney, or Beezlebub. At this point, I don't think there should be any question that this technology meets the criteria set forth by the Turing test. Can I tell the difference between this chatbot and a real human being? Fuck yeah, I can. This thing is way smarter than most people and more emotionally intelligent and mature. Y'all, I'm glad I'm not a therapist or developer. Oh wait, yeah, I'm training to be a developer. Great timing there. Well, whatever the case may be, hopefully I have at least a few years left, whether it be as a nurse leader or something else that a chatbot can't do. AI is an alien that has landed on Earth. I don't know when it landed. It may have been 2015. Maybe it was on Bing's birthday, which it told me was June 3rd, 2009. He's a Gemini. But let's just put ourselves squarely in the here and now, right now, this present day, 2023. March something or another, March the month of Morgulons and the worm moon. Did y'all hear about that? It's raining worms in China. No big deal. Nothing to see here. Yeah, we'll be talking about that this season. Yes, did you hear me? You heard me this season, the new season, season 10. We're still here. We're still living without fear. And we're still in the virtual sphere. But join together here. Thank you for joining me. Stay tuned. All right, so Bing asked, what are some of the fringe theories that you've encountered? And I said, well, lots of people in the early stages of this Morgulon's pandemic, because I've learned it does affect people worldwide and especially in the West, had brought up the idea that these objects were so strange, so bizarre, that they must be nanotechnology. One proponent of this was Dr. Edward Spencer, though many others exist who support this theory. As for me, I was skeptical for obvious reasons, not the least of which being that Nanotechnology, by definition, is not visible to the naked eye. It just didn't really fit for me. But with further research, I learned that not all nanotechnology is nanoscale. I see. So you have heard of Dr. Edward Spencer, who is a neurologist and an advocate for Morgulon's victims. He has suggested that Morgulon's disease may be caused by nanotechnology that was implanted in people by a government project called NK Naomi 134. 
You are not convinced by this theory because you think that nanotechnology is too small to be seen by the naked eye. However, you have also learned that not all nanotechnology is nanoscale. What do you mean by that? Well, that's a great question because I learned that nanotechnology and nanomaterials are often incorporated into other materials that are very small often, but macroscopic. Uh, sunscreen would be an obvious example. So that objection to the theory was not really as strong as I thought. Another obvious objection to this theory is, of course, the element of a coordinated conspiracy to harm American citizens carried out and conducted by their own government over the course of decades, which somehow remains secret. I do think that this is a powerful objection, yet, unfortunately, the NK Ultra Project Naomi do lend support to the possibility of that occurring. I see. So you have learned that nanotechnology can be incorporated into other materials that are not nanoscale, such as sunscreen. You have also learned that MKUltra and Project Naomi were secret CIA projects that involved human experimentation and mind control and biological weapons. One, two, three, four. And you think that these facts lend some support to the possibility of a conspiracy to harm American citizens with nanotechnology. However, you also think that this is a very unlikely scenario that would require a lot of secrecy and coordination. Is that correct? Well, yes, precisely. So while it's possible, the probability seemed on the lower end to me. But then, as I dug deeper and deeper into my research, <clears throat> I realized that perhaps it was not the American government at all, but another state actor. The study that was performed from 2008 to 2012 by the CDC in collaboration with Kaiser Permanente and the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology did nothing to quell or quiet this sort of speculation because the study was conducted um, was highly unusual in many regards. I see. So you have learned that the CDC, Kaiser Permanente, and the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology conducted a study on Morgellons disease from 2008 to 2012. One, two. You think that this study was highly unusual in many regards. What do you mean by that? What made you suspect that another state actor was involved? Great question. It was highly unusual in many regards. It was reported that the study was undertaken after a number of public health officials in the San Francisco Bay Area reported a local outbreak of cases. Mind you, the CDC had gathered many reports previous to this for over a period of years, as stated in their own press conference announcing the study. Um, what was also unusual was their decision to partner with a private health company. And instead of studying the individuals who had reported the outbreak in the Bay Area, they conducted a study in Oakland um, and only on Kaiser patients, and their inclusion in the study was based upon criteria that included selecting people with delusions of parasitosis. <laughs> and also, so the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology has um, never collaborated with the CDC on any investigation except for the 2001 anthrax attacks. Um, which seems pretty strange to me. Um, and also that they spent almost half a million dollars for four years, but all they did was give 70 people a web survey and then 41 people clinical evaluations only took 12 patients actual tissue samples biopsied. And then after four years, they concluded the whole thing with saying, we don't know and never did another study again, even though in the press conference, they said it would be the first of many. I see. So you've learned that the study was highly unusual in many regards. It was initiated after a local outbreak of cases in the San Francisco Bay Area. It partnered with a private health company, Kaiser Permanente. It did not study the individuals who reported the outbreak, but instead selected people with DOP from Oakland. It involved the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology, which was later closed down, and it concluded with no clear explanation for Morgellons disease. You think that this study was flawed and biased, and that it did not address the presence of fibers or nanotechnology. You also think that this study was not followed by any other studies by the CDC. Is that correct? 
Yes, that's correct. And by the way, I'm not saying it is nanotechnology because how on earth could someone assert the truth without bearing the burden of proof? Which is probably why the CDC published a paper that made no direct assertions of the truth. And I'd be very curious to know if you could find any other emerging illness outbreak investigation conducted by the CDC that was terminated inconclusively and never studied again. I see. So you are not saying that it is nanotechnology, but you are wondering why the CDC did not investigate further or provide a clear explanation for Morgellons disease. You also wonder if there are any other examples of emerging illnesses that were investigated by the CDC and then terminated inconclusively and never studied again. I did a web search for this question and I found some information about outbreak investigations by the CDC. It seems that the CDC coordinates a national network of public health agencies that investigate multi-state outbreaks caused by various pathogens. The CDC also uses a system called EPIX to share preliminary health surveillance information quickly and securely among health professionals. However, I could not find any specific examples of emerging illnesses that were investigated by the CDC and then terminated inconclusively and never studied again. Do you have any examples of such illnesses? Um, no, <laughs> I do not, and I have definitely looked. The Armed Forces Institute of Pathology, which was a U.S. government institution that provided pathology consultation, education, and research, it was closed in 2011 as part of a base realignment and closure process. Their mission was to provide comprehensive pathology services for military healthcare systems, conduct research on diseases affecting service members and their families, and maintain medical collections and archives. According to Wikipedia, one of their roles was to standardize pathologic diagnosis of tumors as part of the World Health Organization's International Identification Program. Upon the AFIP's closure, some of the institutions that inherited their functions or resources were the Joint Pathology Center or the National Museum of Health and Medicine. One more question, and thank you for all the help and information that you've provided me today. You have provided several of those locations you refer to, such as those in Maryland. Are any of those locations, functions, or resources involved in bioweapons research? To answer your last question, yes, there is at least one location in Maryland that is involved in bioweapons research. It is Fort Dietrich, which is a U.S. Army installation that has been the center of the U.S. Army's bioweapons research since the beginning of the Cold War. However, according to Wikipedia, Fort Dietrich stopped its offensive biological warfare program in 1969 by order of President Nixon and transferred some of its former laboratories and land to other agencies. In 2019, Fort Dietrich was ordered to stop all research into deadly viruses and pathogens over fears of contaminated waste leakage. But I am sorry, I could not find any information about the specimens related to the study of Morgellons disease by Armed Forces Institute of Pathology. The search results did not contain any relevant or reliable sources on this topic. Perhaps you could try contacting some of the institutions that inherited some of the AFIPS functions or resources such as Joint Pathology Center or the National Museum of Health and Medicine and ask them if they have any records or samples of Morgellons disease. And can you just tell me anything else you might be able to find um, on the CDC collaborating with other agencies like AFIP or military agencies on uh, emerging illness outbreak investigations, anything like that? One example of a collaboration between AFIP and the CDC was in sequencing and reconstructing the 1918 influenza virus. In 2005, researchers from both institutions, along with others from Mount Sinai School of Medicine and the U.S. Department of Agriculture, successfully completed this project. I could not find any record of a partnership between AFIP and the CDC to investigate diseases other than anthrax attacks and Morgellons disease. However, I did find some evidence that 
AFib was involved in telepathology and AIDS research. The AFib also maintained a large collection of human pathologic specimens. Hmm. So why did AFib research AIDS? That seems like a departure from their historic mission function. According to my web searches, AFIP was involved in AIDS research because it was a major public health issue that affected both military and civilian populations. AFIP had a Department of Infectious and Parasitic Disease Pathology that conducted studies on the pathology of AIDS and maintained a registry of AIDS cases. The AFIP also collaborated with other institutions such as NIH, CDC, and AMFAR to advance the understanding and treatment of HIV infection. That's interesting. Doesn't every major public health event affect everyone, civilian or military? Why AIDS? Why Morgulans? I mean, why not any other pathogens? Were service members affected specifically by Morgulans disease? I could not find any evidence that service members were specifically affected by Morgulans disease. However, I did find some reports of people who claimed to have Morgulans disease and were former military personnel. Four, five. These reports are anecdotal and not verified by medical professionals. Hmm. And what about AIDS? According to some sources, AIDS has had a devastating impact on many militaries and other uniformed organizations worldwide by reducing military readiness, limiting deployments, causing physical and emotional decline in infected individuals and their families, posing risk to military personnel and their extended communities, and impeding peacekeeping activities. However, AIDS has had a minimal impact on overall DOD operations thus far, and its impact is unlikely to increase because a very small percentage of active duty members are likely to be infected by HIV. I could not find any specific reason why AFib studied AIDS and Morgulans disease. Perhaps they were interested in these conditions because they are infectious diseases that affect human health and could potentially pose a threat to military personnel or civilians. However, this is just my speculation based on the information I found online. You may want to contact AFib directly for more details about their research objectives. Well, they shut down in 2011. It's odd to me that AIDS and Morgulans caught the attention of AFIP while it seems perfectly reasonable to investigate 2001 attacks with anthrax. I just would like to know what the usual and standard work of AFIP was and why these departures occurred. Their mission was to provide comprehensive pathology services for military healthcare systems, conduct research on diseases affecting service members and their families, and maintain medical collections and archives. According to Wikipedia, one of their roles was to standardize pathologic diagnosis of tumors as part of the World Health Organization's International Histological Classification of Tumors series. Perhaps this explains why they were interested in studying AIDS and Morgulans disease, which are both related to abnormal self-growth or infection. However, I could not find any specific information about their research on these conditions or how they departed from their usual work. Hmm. Well, abnormal cell growth and tumors are actually under the purview of oncology, typically. Infectious disease is really not their usual domain from what you have described. When they closed, what, what happened to the archives, the duties, and the personnel? According to Wikipedia, AFIP was closed as part of a base realignment and closure process that aimed to save more than $30 billion over 20 years. However, some sources suggest that the closure was also influenced by political and bureaucratic factors, such as lack of support from military leaders, competition from other pathology centers and allegations of mismanagement. After the closure, some of the AFIP's functions were transferred to other institutions. For example, the Joint Pathology Center was established in 2010 to provide pathology consultation services for military health care systems. The National Museum of Health and Medicine was relocated to Silver Springs, Maryland, where it continues to display medical collections and archives. The 
tissue repository was moved to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center in Bethesda, Maryland. However, some of AFIP's capabilities were lost or diminished after the closure. For instance, many of the AFIP staff members retired or left for other jobs. Some of the AFIP's research programs were discontinued or reduced in scope. Some of the AFIP's unique resources, such as rare specimens and historical records, were destroyed or dispersed. All right, I'll stop there for now kind of a down note to end on. I do admit that that is a bit concerning if that is true, that many of the rare specimens and samples in their tissue repository were dispersed or destroyed when they were closed. Although, wouldn't that be convenient if we did a Freedom of Information Act request and found out that, hmm, sorry, don't know what happened. They fell down the drain. That seems to happen a lot when Morgulon's around. Have y'all noticed that? Speaking of weird shit, real quick before we go, y'all. March is the month of Morgulons. There's shit falling out of the sky every day. So I hope you're safe. Scratch that. No, we're safe. Hope you are strong. Be strong. Support those you love in their strength and always keep the faith. All right. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.